0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. I want to tell you how, much, how glad I am to be here today. It's good to see all of you. Uh, some of you don't know who I am. That's okay. I don't know you either. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know when we got movie lights. I can hardly see you out there. <laughs> Which means you can see me really, really well, and I—I'll be praying for you this service. Uh, How many of you have—have never heard me preach? Let me see you. Let me see your hands. You've never heard me speak. All right. Well, I'm going. You've never heard me speak. I'm going to give you ten seconds to get out of the building before I start. All right. We have a, a few things to say here today. And I'm in Isaiah, Isaiah 55, and I'm going to talk to you about the sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David is what Isaiah calls the New Covenant. The sure mercies of David is what Isaiah calls the New Covenant. They had mercies from God in the Old Testament, but they weren't sure. They weren't the sure mercies of David, they were the maybe mercies of David the part-time mercies of David, the temporary mercies of David, the, the hope-so mercies of David in the Old Covenant. But Isaiah begins to prophesy about the New Covenant. And this depth of prophetic utterance from Isaiah began in Isaiah 52, really, and end of 53 and 54 and 55. You should read those four chapters sometime soon. Those three chapters, three, 53, 54, 55, those three chapters sometime soon. If you don't know what's in them at all, well, Isaiah 53 is the, is the single chapter that Jews have the most difficulty with. That is, it says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've returned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Jews have difficulty with this because their theologians, their scholars, know this is messianic. They know it's talking about their Messiah. But the problem with the knowledge of that is they also know he's dying in this passage. The one great reason why they rejected Jesus was when they put him on that cross, they were trying him to see if he wouldn't die, see if he would come off that cross, see if he'd come out fighting like a man. Because they wanted a militaristic, high-powered, overthrowing, overpowering, overcoming Messiah. They did not expect a dying Messiah. They didn't know how much he was going to overcome. They thought they were going to get a Messiah that would just overcome natural natural forces. They didn't know he was going to be a Messiah that would overcome even every dark evil force. By the way, all natural forces come out of spiritual forces. Everything you see here in this room came out of the Spirit. Man did not create God. God created man. Hallelujah. The Spirit first and then that which is natural. Everything natural comes out of that which is of the Spirit. Praise God. Our God is invisible God. Let's leave Him that way because that makes Him all powerful. Hallelujah. The moment you can see... The moment you can see... He can be fully and completely comprehended. God has dimensions you will only know when you get to glory. He has awesomeness and manifestations to show you when you get to heaven, when you get over there on that other side. And when I say heaven, I'm not talking about sitting on a cloud stroking a harp. I'm talking about ruling galaxies. Glory to God. If there are billions of them out there and billions of us are going to get saved, I'm thinking maybe there's a match made in heaven. Pardon the pun. Amen. <laughs> hey, he created all those worlds and all those dominions out there. Y'all heard about that? Di- Did I tell y'all about the diamond planet? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. It's my wife's favorite planet now. She doesn't know the name of it, but it's her favorite one because it's crusted with diamonds. I used to talk about God who can make, who can make money fall out of the sky. guys guy said, oh, God's not going to do that. He's not going to be a counterfeiter. Well, he might can make diamonds fall out of the sky i take that and turn it into money. The sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David. This is what the New Testament is about. Being sure of the mercies of God. The difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament is in the New Testament, they're sure. In the Old Testament, we've crossed our fingers and hoped. In the New Testament, praise God, we use our faith and believe, and it's sure to all the seed. This crossover between old and new covenant is has been the difficulty of the church almost since its inception. We were so used to doing it our way, and we started doing it our way the first day. When Adam sinned, he ran to build his own religion, plucking leaves from a fig tree and making himself a skirt. I want you to get this picture. He's probably ten feet tall, the progenitor of mankind. Ten feet tall, perfect image of God. See him here? And he's wearing a skirt made of leaves. How did he get there? How did he get there? how did he get that he lost his glory every animal God created grows their own clothes from the inside man had clothing oh he was naked in a certain sense but he had a glory about him that caused him not to even know he was naked And when Adam realized he was naked he told God I ran and hid because I was afraid because I was naked In Texas, you know, it's not naked. It's for those of you who've moved here from other places. We say naked. Because naked just sounds nakeder than naked. (laughs) Don't even have on a shoe. (laughs) Or a ribbon in your hair. I mean, you've got nothing. He said we were naked and we hid. The first thing out of God's mouth is an astonishing statement. Astonishing if you ask me. The first thing I'm going to say, if it's my creation, I'm going to say, come over here, you idiot. (laughs) The first thing out of God's mind and God's mouth was, who told you you were naked? He knew he had never said anything to Adam about his nakedness. He had never mentioned that he didn't have any clothes. God is not the one who's talking about what he lacked. God knew he didn't talk like that to him. He said, Who told you that? You had to have picked it up someplace. Then he says, Did you eat of that tree? Did you eat of that tree? And Adam, like every great man, says, well, the woman, <laughs> I would have been perfectly okay without her, all along, I promise you, I didn't need her, I didn't ask for her, it's all your idea. Great man that he was. Adam was truly and indeed a piece of work. You might as well know the entire quote from Shakespeare. Shakespeare said it like this. Foul collection of vapors. What a piece of work is man. (laughs) Sounds like we're getting some sleet or something, doesn't it? All right, praise God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach so hot the roads won't be able to hold it. All right, but we've been like this from the beginning. I, the other day, my, uh, for, let me say a few months ago, my grandson was coming over to the house and Ann was babysitting him. And my, he's the baby boy of the family. He's, his name is Maxwell Tate Miller, Jennifer's baby. Y'all know him. Yeah, I think he owns the nursery in there, but. He, he, he was about two and a half when this, when this setup happened. He was coming over to the house, and I uh, uh, w- one day decided I was going to let him put the chocolate in. I said, Max, and, and we don't have any children that love milk like this kid loves milk. We, we've had nine before him. They all like milk, but just like every kid likes milk, this kid doesn't like milk. He is addicted to milk. I mean, you know, he gets the shakes. He says, oh, man, I need a fix. I'm hurting, man. Give me that milk, you know. (laughs) He loves milk. Come over to the house, and I poured his milk. He was all excited. I said, Max, you want to put the chocolate in? Yeah. So I... Let him take the hold, hold of the bottle, and we poured it, the chocolate in together. And I said, Max, you want to stir the spoon? Stir it? Yeah, he got it, man. He stirred it up. Watch it turn brown. Yeah, yelled at Nana. Turn bound, Nana, turn bound. <laughs> Thought that was the coolest thing. Next time he came over, we did it again. Next time he came over, we did it again. Set ourselves up a little tradition, you know, him putting the chocolate in and stirring it. Nobody else let him do that. His mama didn't trust him. A few days later, he came over with his parents, and I wasn't there. Nana said, you want some milk, Max? Yeah. Climbs up in his chair. She's talking to his parents sitting over there in the kitchen, not paying attention. She pours the milk. She gets the chocolate out, squirts it in there, gets a spoon, stirs it up, puts a lid on it, and hands it to him. He loves milk. He's reached up there and grabbed it and threw it on the floor. Right in front of his daddy. Daddy's sitting right over there. He knows that his daddy is going to beat his pants off him. (laughs) Loves milk. And loves chocolate milk. But he loved that little tradition more. And would risk everything to keep it. I found out what's wrong with the church. It isn't that the church doesn't love the Holy Spirit. It isn't that the church doesn't love this wonderful message of grace. It isn't that the, pet message, that, the, that the church doesn't love the message of the Word of God, that you can live by faith. It isn't that the church doesn't love those things. It's just that the church has not been used to hearing those things, and the church is entrenched in its traditions. you will throw it all away. Just to keep the tradition. If I can't have what I want, if I can't get it my way, I just won't have any of it. So that's why they poke fingers at you and laugh at guys like me who preach this unmerited, unearned, undeserved message of the grace of the living God. And I always want you to do something to earn your salvation. You pagan pigs. He said as kindly as he knew how. (laughs) You can't earn your salvation. I don't care how many traditions you have. Isaiah 55 says, verse 3, Incline your ear. Come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I'll make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Now, see, he's projecting, as Jeremiah so profoundly already said today, he's projecting... I'm going to give you the sure mercies of David. It's going to be an everlasting covenant. One that lasts forever now. This is the last one. Sure just means to believe, to bring up, to, to trust, to support, to foster. To permanently keep in quiet and peace. Word Mercy's there is the word hesed in Hebrew. Kindness, piety, beauty, favor, good deed, loving kindness, merciful kindness, mercy. Oh, oh, oh. It's a permanent condition when you get in this new covenant. It's a permanent condition. The sure mercies, not the hope-so mercies, not the maybe mercies, not the what-if mercies. The sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David come through David's greater son, Jesus. They don't know this. Isaiah doesn't know his name. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody here probably knows his name. The name of Jesus is the name under which under heaven given among men whereby we must all be saved. Praise God. And what this teaches us though is, is from the first verse. The first thing I want you to notice is it says, incline your ear and come unto me and hear and you shall live. New covenant realities. Number one. Write this down. New, new covenant realities come to you on the basis of hearing. New covenant realities come to you on the basis of hearing. I don't know if you've noticed it, but it does make a difference what you hear. It makes a difference what you listen to. You stand around listening to what they say? Uh You stand around listening to them too much? Now listen, they're going to tell you what they know. Uh But every time you hear something that somebody says, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, a banker, or a thief, sometimes those are always the same people. But (laughs) you don't have to add that last one. No matter what they tell you, you keep hold of what God has said about it. You, t- you keep hold about what God has said about your condition and your health and your money. The doctor and the banker and the attorney, they all have an opinion. It's not wrong to hear their opinion, but it's wrong to live your life by their opinion. Come and hear, come and hear what the new covenant has to say. A new covenant has to say, there's sure mercy for you. Can I tell you something? Your friends are waiting to hear that message from you. Your friends are waiting to hear. Those friends that you've never told anything about Jesus, you've never said anything to them about the Lord, and they just view you and see that you're a Christian, you know what they think? They think you think they are a lousy bum. That's what they think. Some friends of Billy Graham took him, took him uh, golfing one time. He's not much of a golfer. They took him to play golf. Billy Graham just played golf. They had a guy there who was an unbeliever in this foursome. They played nine holes. When they finished the nine holes, and notice that guy was getting his stuff off the cart and stacking all of his stuff back in his bag and, put, and unstrapping it and getting ready to walk away. One of them walks over to him and says, what are you doing, brother? Where, where, where are you going? He says, I'm tired of this. I can't take any more of this preaching. The guy says, what? I a preacher over there. He said, I just can't take any more of it. I that preaching all the time. You know how much Billy Graham had said to him about Jesus or said anything about preaching? Nothing. Not one thing. Not one thing had Billy said to him. Not one thing. Hadn't said praise the Lord. Wasn't being overly because this guy was an unbeliever. He was, you know, he was just waiting for him to open it. But that's all the guy heard because he knew who he was. Amen. Do you know the devil is telling them what you believe? Yeah. As long as you don't tell them what you believe, the devil's going to tell them what you believe. Yeah. And it's not going to be the truth. The devil's telling them that you hate them. You, you wouldn't be like them at all. The devil's telling them that you think they're so, sin, so, so, sin, so sinful that you wouldn't trust them with your children. That's what the devil's telling them you think. Because the world has been infested with this whole idea that God is so holy, He must be just, so just, He'll just have to kill you eventually. Eventually. Rather than, Jesus died for your sins. Christ died for your sins. So that he could release the sure mercies of David on you. See, they don't know you believe that. Until you tell them they got their own mind made up of what religion is. Can I have a good amen? You understand what we're saying here? Verse 4, Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. This is a Messianic prophecy, speaking of Jesus. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run. Hey, you've got the real Bible up there. That's awesome. The authorized version, the King James Version. I thought, sure, you'd have that Toys R Us version up there, but but you didn't. And nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And he, the Lord, will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. All that abundantly pardon can mean. All it can possibly mean is you don't get what you deserve but you do get what you don't deserve. That's like what abundant pardon would be is if a man stole a car and he stood before the judge and the judge said, I pardon you. You're not going to jail, which is what you deserve. But I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. Here's the keys to my car. Abundantly pardoned. Which means that God doesn't treat you like a sinner saved. He he treats you like a saint that never sinned. If this is how God sees you, it might not be a bad idea to start thinking like that yourself. A saint that never sinned. Yeah, I know, but I can't get over it. Man, you don't know what a stinker I was. Yes, I do. I know what a stinker you were. I have a mother-in-law. I mean, I... Little joke, mother-in-law, little joke. <laughs> have a daughter-in-law. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> anyway. Amen. Seek ye the Lord where may be found. Second thing I want you to see is that God's pardon is greater than your sin. God does not provide just enough. He provides more than enough. Amen. The land of just enough was the land between Egypt and and uh, the promised land. In Egypt, they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough straw. They didn't have enough this. They didn't have enough that. Egypt was the land of not enough. How many of you have been in Egypt? I've been in the land of not enough. Anybody ever been in the land of not enough? God took them out to the wilderness, remember? But that wasn't where they were supposed to be. That was the land of just enough. Manna fell every day, and they could only pick enough up for that day, except on Friday. They could pick up enough for Friday and Saturday. The land of just enough, barely get along, hand-to-mouth existence. I don't want to live there. That was what wasn't the will of God for them to be there. So he didn't let them get, uh, get accustomed to it. He didn't give them more than enough there because he wanted them to get out of there. If you're living a hand-to-mouth existence, barely get along, thank God you're still here. Thank God you're still alive. But it's not the will of God for you to stay in that wilderness. It's the will of God for you to enjoy more than enough. Come on, somebody say Amen. <laughs> He wants to get you to that promised land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. Amen. He wants to get you to that land of more than enough. He said, I will abundantly pardon, meaning he'll treat you like a saint that never sinned, not like a sinner that's, still, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's forgiven. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And number three is that men think of getting, over, getting even, but God thinks of getting over it. God thinks of getting over it. That's why, that's why it's difficult to think like God because we, we are ruled by the knowledge of good and evil. The greatest damage that, that that did to mankind was that he couldn't get over his own wrongs. He stuck with the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. So he stuck with the knowledge of what he did wrong. And he stuck with trying to figure out how to fix it. Instead of how to release it. Instead of how to release it. Misty Sparks tells a story of her niece, Brayley Kay. She took her to one of these kids' play zones, you know, for a birthday party or something. And Braylee was saying, I think I can climb that rock wall. I think I can climb that rock wall. She said, Aunt Misty, do you think I can climb the rock wall? And Misty says, Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you Yeah, yeah, you can climb it. And Braylee wouldn't do it. She said, go over there and do it. Oh, no, I'm too afraid. The whole party, Braley's trying to figure out if she can climb that rock wall or not. And she can't figure it. She, she wants to pl- climb that rock wall, but she's so afraid. And every time she thinks about it, well, it gets about 10 minutes of time to go. And, and Braley comes over to Misty and says, hey, Misty, do you think I can climb that rock wall? And Misty says, no, you can't climb that rock wall. We're out of time. We've got to leave in 10 minutes. And Braley made a beeline, ran over there and, made it, let, and got him got to hook her up in the harness. Went to climbing that rock wall. Climbed up, climbed up. She'd get about halfway up and look down and go, ah, I get scared, you know. they say, keep looking up, keep looking up, keep looking up. So she kept looking up, climbed all the way to the top. And at the top, all you got to do is get a hold of the bar, wherever they were. Said she, All she had to do was grab a hold of the bar. And as soon as you touch the bar, get a get hold of the bar, well, then you, you turn loose, and, the, and the, the, uh, the cord, you know, the rope would let her down gently. By the time the higher she climbed, the harder it got. For her to think about turning loose, till she got a hold of that bar at the top, she was finished. The moment where she should have been the happiest, should have been able to release, she was at the highest of heights. This as is as she could go. They said, "All right, Bradley K, turn loose." She couldn't turn loose. In fact, she wrapped her arm around the thing, just held on to it. Our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. His thoughts are release, and I'll catch you. Amen. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to act like it never happened. Just, just turn loose of the thing. Come on, take your hands like this, like a couple of fists. Hold your hands up like this right here, real, 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 real tight. All right, all right. Now think about that thing that, that once in a while still comes up and bothers you and makes you mad at that person again. Think about that. Think about that. I know you wives are all thinking about your husbands, but you husbands think about somebody else. <laughs> so, 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 so just tighten your fist real tight, real tight, real tight, real tight, real tight, real tight, real tight. Just as tight as you can do it. And think about that person. Think about how they hurt you. All right, all right, all right. Now let go. Wow. You could almost feel it releasing the spirit, couldn't you? Wow. See, these are actions of faith. This is just an action of faith. It's just that easy just to turn loose. It's just that easy to turn loose. It's how God did you. He just cuts you free. Just turns you loose. Praise God. Because God's ways are not like our ways. Our men think of getting even, not getting over it. That's why they preach repentance all the time. They want somebody to feel bad enough. They feel like it measures up to how bad they were. The fourth thing to think pardon is to think high. I already talked to you about that. But let's look down at verse 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither... But watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. What the fifth thing I want you to see here today is that the word of God will produce prosperity in all areas of your life when you return it to him. That does not mean that there is some cosmic trampoline out there that God is hoping will, will bounce the word off back to him, off a of planet Earth back to him. The way the word returns turns to God is what somebody on this end of the covenant says it back to him, quotes to him his promises, quotes to him the things that he made sure for us, and we say it like it's already done, praise God, by his stripes I am healed, because you said it, I'm sending that word back to you, and when I send it back, the Bible says it will prosper, praise God, and I get my healing, I get what I need. Verse 12, for you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you are singing. The trees of the field shall clap their hands. Creation has been awaiting your arrival. Creation has been awaiting your arrival. Romans chapter 8 and verse 19 says, for the earnest expect- expectation of the creature Waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. It does not say that creation is groaning waiting for the disciples of Christ. It says it's waiting for the manifestation of the full-grown sons of God. The creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. I mean, they don't know they're looking for you. But they'll know when you manifest. They'll know when they see a true son of the living God, a true daughter of the living God. The all creation's waiting, not for God to show himself, but for the children of God to show themselves. Yeah. Glory to God. I got a cat. An Oklahoma cat. She kills things smaller than her and terrorizes all the dogs in the neighborhood because I refuse to cut her claws. She is a menace to that 40 acres I live on. We haven't heard the peep out of a mouse or a rat or anything. all Nothing, nothing, nothing. They don't come around. Not when my bad black cat is prowling around. She owns that place. She thinks we live with her. <laughs> until I show up. When I drive up on the scene, she sees me, and she becomes that tiny little kitten I got at the garage sale. Purring and wiggling and walking through my feet. said, oh, I'm so glad you're home. I've been waiting on Well, she wasn't waiting on me. She didn't know I was what she wanted. She had no clue. She would just going out there living her life. And when she saw me drive up, all of a sudden, oh, my prince has arrived. He's going to feed me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to give me stuff I cannot get on my own. Are you understanding what the manifestation of the sons of God means? They don't know what they're looking for. Don't be mad that they act like you owe them something. Don't be angry that they act like sinners because, well, God help them, they are. They don't know what they need. But they'll know when they see the manifested sons of God in the earth. Because they're travailing right now, waiting for that manifestation to happen. I think the church has preached discipleship too long. We want to make disciples of everybody. Really? You'll make them like Judas. He was a disciple. Be careful what you say. Discipleship is a low level of service to, to God. Full grown sonship works for God better. He's the ultimate nepotist. He won't hire anybody. He's not part of his family. Praise God. He wants you to manifest it in the earth. Verse 13. Instead of the thorn, shall come up the fir. Pardon me. That was, that was probably a little too impassioned. But I really liked it. Instead of the thorns shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Listen to me. If you're looking for something after this, except for the return of Christ, if you're looking for something else, it's not coming. This new covenant is the last covenant. The apostle Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, and they said, these men are drunk with new wine. What's going on here? This looks stupid to us. I don't know what denomination those people were from, but they were from one of America's denominations, apparently. All this yabba-dabba-doo they're doing up there. All this, hey, better better, better, better." better All this speaking in tongues and stuff. Just, they're just drunk. That's all it is. They're just drunk. Peter said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. I wish he hadn't said this next part, but he did. He said, it's only nine o'clock. Apparently they had plans later in the day. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> These men are not drunks as you suppose. But this is that. Everybody say this is that. Now this, yeah, this is that. What you have in the spirit is still that. At our school, we used to sing a song that I just hated. They'd sing, we need another Pentecost. I'm going to sit over and go, what's wrong with the one we got? This and I have is that. By the way, they have Pentecost every year. Comes 50 days after Easter. Help yourself. You don't need another Pentecost. To say that means you don't believe in the one that came. That this is that one. It means you really don't believe in the covenant that you have. This is the final covenant. It's 2000 years old and Lord help us it's just barely getting started good. All it needs is a new generation of people who arise up and believe that if they'll act in faith, it'll be just as powerful as it was on the first century when it arrived. Glory be to God. This new covenant is the last covenant. This last Adam. It didn't say he was a second Adam. I hear a preacher say that. But the second Adam. The first Adam did this, but the second Adam did that. I said, there wasn't no second Adam. There was only the last Adam. Second Adam could indicate that there might be a third and a fourth and a fifth. No, ladies and gentlemen. All that is over. All that needed to happen 2,000 years ago did happen. Now, why on earth would we want something else? The church's problem is that the church is a bit lazy. A bit lazy. When Paul says, stir up the gift that's in you, that means pray in tongues until you get burning hot with fire. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. He's using terminology, not stirring up water. He's talking about stirring up a fire. Stoke the fire. Make it hotter. That's how you get revival. You don't pray revival in. You don't pray revival down. You preach revival up. Every revival is marked with great preaching. We all got to get this message and start talking it all the time, 24-7. Because until the people of God are seen to be the lovers of mankind instead of the haters of mankind, we'll never have revival again. They have to know that we love them, that they are deeply loved and deeply needed in the kingdom of God because God has a need for a great, big family. And the amazing thing is, He's not even picky. For Pete's sake, He took Stephen (laughs) and Brandon and me He even took old Lemons over there. Praise God. A guy named Lemons. His name is Chase Lemons. Think about it. And Jesus took him. (laughs) He'll take anybody. He's got a sense of humor. He took a guy named Holler and said, I'm going to make him a preacher. Did I ever tell you about the guy who said to me, hey, what's your last name? I said, Holler. He said, what's your last name? (laughs) It's not funny. (laughs) The manifestation of the sons of God is for this time, this day, the full-blown sons of God, because there's a world out there dying to see you. They're dying for you. They're dying. Sighing, crying, without any hope, without any God, without any gospel. They're just looking for somebody who knows him. Like he's their father. People want to be a part of a family. They don't want to be another part of another club, another organization, another softball team. They want to be a part of a family. Father, thank you for these, your people today. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness of the Word of God. It brings us into greater depths and higher heights. Thank you for your people. I'm asking that you will cause them to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus today. To get a hold of these few truths to make a difference. To make a difference for their lives. To know that they are indeed the children of the living God. Growing up into full stature so that we can be the technon, the full grown children of God. To go forth into a world that desperately needs to hear what we have to say about him. That he's, he's gotten over it. That the blood of Jesus really means what it means. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Thank you for the gospel, Lord. It changed our lives. Come on, tell him it changed my life change my life. I ask you to bless them now with this word, to cause of this seed to fall into good soil, to bring forth good fruit. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you folks. Thank you for letting me come. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.